Good morning. And welcome again to the Center for Spiritual Living. And if you have consulted your journal, you know that this month we are talking about relationships through the spiritual lens. We've talked about relationship to each other, how through our relationships we create society. And today's topic is we our star stuff. So it's about our relationship to the light that creates all that is, the illumination, the something in creation that shines. Richard Buck, a man who our founder Ernest Holmes quotes in the Science of Mind textbook in that little segment about the cosmic consciousness experience. This Richard Buck had a mystical experience one day while he was being driven home. He had just recently been spending some time, a, a lovely evening with his friend Walt Whitman. And he was discussing poetry and philosophy. And then on the way home, he was in a state of quiet, passive enjoyment, effortless being. He wasn't actively thinking or actively not thinking. He was just letting ideas and images and emotions flow through him. And all of a sudden, he found himself wrapped in a flame-colored cloud. And he thought to himself, there must be some kind of fire in the city. Somewhere. Until he realized that the blaze was in him. And he in it. And he said of this experience, directly afterwards came upon me a sense of such exaltation, of immense joyousness, accompanied by an intellectual illumination quite impossible to describe. Into my brain streamed one momentary lightning flash of the divine splendor which has ever since lightened my life. Upon my heart fell one drop of divine bliss, leaving thenceforward for always an aftertaste of heaven. Among other things, I did not come to believe. I saw and knew that the cosmos is not a dead matter, but a living presence, that our soul is immortal, that the universe is so built and ordered that without any other thing at all, all things work together for the good of each and all, and that the foundational principle of the world is what we call love, and that the happiness of everyone in the long run is absolutely certain. The light that he experienced he described as coming from within, while he was in this quiet state, of almost passive enjoyment, not actively thinking, not actively not thinking, but letting ideas and thoughts and emotions flow. A gentle attentiveness, an openness to what is effortless being. And Buck's vision lasted just an instant, a few seconds, and it was gone. And yet... 
the memory of it and the sense of reality that it brought to him stayed with him. He said further on about it that I knew that what the vision showed me was true and that conviction has never been lost in me, not even in my deepest depression. Oh, wow. You know, it changed him forever. Just like Bill W. was changed, you know, the founder of AA, who was changed in an instant by a light vision too. You know, Bill W., he was a binging, falling down, hopeless drunk, found himself in hospital with delirium and tremors. He had fallen so low that the only thing left for him to do was to surrender, and he did. On his knees, he got and he prayed to, well, the best he knew was to pray to some power that was greater than him. And he said, if there is a God, show yourself. And suddenly, he reports, suddenly the room lit up with a great white light. Of which he would say later, it seemed to me in the mind's eye that I was on a mountain and that a wind not of air, but of the Spirit, was blowing, and then it burst upon me that I was a free person. Slowly, the ecstasy subsided, and a great peace stole over me. And I thought, no matter how wrong things seem to be, they are still all right. Oh. If only I could remember that. That there is a rightness in things, even in the deepest, darkest valleys. Bill W. wrote of this experience that there was a sense of victory followed by such a peace and serenity as, I've, as I have never known. I felt lifted up as if a great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. And in just those seconds, he was impressed by a feeling of a presence of holiness. And it poured over him and through him with a certainty like the majesty of a great river. And as it poured, it swept away all the barriers that he had constructed over the years. And he stood in the presence of an infinite power, an infinite love. And the rest of the story is familiar to so many people. From that day forward, he was changed. He never took another drink again. As if the urge was plucked out of him, lifted up out of him in a profound and permanent shift took place. He used the word ecstasy, which means to be delighted in the light, blissed out, lifted to a higher sacred sense of life. The poet Kabir describes the state in his poetry like this one. Are you looking for me? I am in the next seat. My shoulder is against yours. 
You will not find me in stupas, nor in Indian shrine rooms, nor in synagogues, nor in cathedrals, not in masses, not in kirtans, not in legs winding around your own neck, nor in eating nothing but vegetables. When you really look for me, you will see me instantly. You will find me in the tiniest house of time. Kabir says, student, tell me what is God? God is the breath inside the breath. The Christian mystic Juliana of Norwich, you know, after being forgotten for nearly some 600 years, well, her insights and her gentle wisdom are finding the way back into contemporary spiritual thinking. And there is a medieval church, a church that used to emphasize God's condemning wrath. And in that church, her words are written like a bright light of illuminating wisdom, saying, there is no wrath in God. It is the most important possible thing that can be that God would be angry for wrath and friendship are two opposites and long before the patriarchy was ready to hear it her insight into the feminine element of the living spirit was crystal clear she said as truly as God is our father so truly is God our mother. Juliana would often pray in silence. And it was in that silence that she was given to visions, visions that produced great insights for her, insights that often went against the norm of her time. And after one such vision, May 13, 1373, she said these lines that have become a medicine for seekers ever since. All will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of thing will be well. What about you and me? How does the living spirit reveal itself to you? How does it show itself to you? How does it light your way? Perhaps you are a saint and you don't yet know it. Do you know what I learned? I learned what a saint really is. A saint is anyone who has died and gone to heaven. And maybe that's what we have to do, to die and to go to heaven. As you know, the master teacher said, heaven is not there or here, it's within, a state of consciousness. And dying may be thought of as letting go of everything that keeps a person out of that heaven, out of the light. So to me, it's about letting fall away everything that keeps me out of the awareness of holiness. And then in that awareness to have a quiet, non-demanding openness to what is. 
without insisting that ecstasy or light show up and replace whatever I think is wrong, not even trying to change anything at all. It's more like remembering the light that is in everything. It's more like experiencing that quiet, accepting, connected feeling and then carrying it into whatever I'm doing. So then this week, let me, let fall away everything that keeps me out of the light. Let me let fall away everything that keeps me out of heaven. Let everything fall away. Nan Yin, a Japanese master during uh, the Meiji era, received a university professor who came to inquire about learning about Zen. Nan Yin began by serving tea. He poured his visitor's cup full and then he kept on pouring and kept on pouring. The professor watched as the overflow started spilling onto the table until he couldn't restrain himself anymore, he said, it is over full. No more will go in. Like this cup, Nanin said, you are full of your own opinions and speculations. How can I show you Zen unless you first empty your cup? Becoming empty to me, I think of as a daily ongoing practice. And becoming empty to me doesn't mean that thinking stops. Try that. You can't make it stop. It means I let everything fall away. I let everything be. I let everything, all the meaning, all the interpretation that I add onto life, I let it fall quietly to the side, away. And I do that by becoming an observer in other words, just watching inside with kind-hearted, relaxed openness. And then I can ask, what am I so full of? <laughs> what am I full of? The world, myself, fear, strategy. Chasing, clinging, urgency, need. What are you full of? I recently remembered I had an old email address that I hadn't used for the longest time. And I went back to look at it. And the inbox was filled with these spammy messages. And I read some of the Headlines that were bombarding my old inbox, you know. Make yourself more attractive to others with these three secrets. Do these five things before bed to lose weight overnight while you sleep. Five incredible, unbelievable investments. Time is running out. Act now. Order drugs online cheaper from Canada. Stop the painful craving with this secret method. Join the fight against, insert the name of the politician here. You can have a larger 
kitchen. You get the emails too, do you? <laughs> there can be so much clogging up of the airwaves of societal thought that it's really easy to get caught up in it. So much so that it can be very challenging to be empty. And when I'm not empty, I'm not available for the light. So to become emptier... <laughs> I sit daily, just 10 minutes, and I ask myself, who am I? What am I rooted in and what is rooted in me? What am I made of? And then I listen and feel and watch. Rather than trying to think up an answer to create something clever, something connected and wise and relevant, I watch. And so many people before me and before you have discovered the same thing, that in the depth of our own being, in every one of us, regardless of what storm we are currently in, there is this something that is not touched by outer circumstances. And some call it the Lord. And some call it the divine presence. And some call it the divine mother. Some call it intuition. Others call it love. And some say that when we take one step toward her, she takes ten steps back toward us. And in us, her love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And in us, the love of the living spirit says, Peace. Be still. Within us, it says, like St. Francis de Sales said, do not lose your inner peace for anything whatsoever, even if your whole world seems upset. Oh, I like the way Thomas A. Kempis speaks to the Lord of love within. He says, Ah, Lord God, thou holy lover of my soul, thou art my glory and the exaltation of my heart. Thou art my hope and refuge in the day of my trouble." You see, that's where our founder, Ernest Holmes, gets it. Oh, lover of my soul. Thomas A. Kempis gets all poetic and intimate. Lover of my soul. And I think it's important to go there, to get into it. First, get empty of the world as much as possible. Sit with quiet, passive enjoyment. And think about the living spirit as something intimate, like a beloved friend that is within our own hearts, already and always peaceful. But not no ordinary friend, one that is never wrathful, or jealous, vindictive, 
one that doesn't mind if you forget to call on its birthday. <laughs> one that isn't offended. One that our founder, Ernest Holmes, called the inner light. I wonder how you and I might treat each other, treat each other if we knew that such a presence of love and light were within us and within each other when we were talking. I wonder how much respect would be in our words if we knew that. Would we speak with haste, carelessness, anger, attitude, with indignation, righteousness, with spite and revenge, I wonder. Or would we bring our words back into our hearts every time our words wanted to stray away? Would we bring them back? I Look, I understand I'm not stupid. I know that things still have to happen. Employees have to be written up for performance issues. Hard conversations about agreements and boundaries being crossed have to still happen. Social wrongs and, must still be righted and all of the racism and phobias and isms must still be dismantled and unpacked and children must still be protected and nurtured and cherished and consequences for actions still get to be important. I know. And in addition, how would I do all these things if I first consulted with the love of the Holy Mother within before I acted? If I brought the love of the Divine Feminine into my actions, would something change? Well, it's why I take time every single day to sit and to empty myself of the world as much as possible. And I'll be honest, sometimes it's quite difficult. And St. Francis de Sales' advice in this matter is very helpful. If the heart wanders or is distracted, bring it back to the point quite gently and replace it tenderly in its master's presence. And even if you did nothing else, but bring your heart back and place it again at our Lord's presence, though it went away every time you brought it back, your time would be very well employed. And so that then is our practice today, to bring our hearts to the presence of love within and place it there. Now, whether you do that with the almost passive enjoyment of Buck or the complete surrender of Bill W or the ecstasy of Kabir or the gentle insight of Juliana or the emptiness of the Zen master or the intimacy of Thomas A. Kempis, or just by being you. Let us this morning just leave our troubles outside the practice for a moment so that we may feel our oneness with the stars, the light, as best as we can imagine, and to then let that light fall into us so that it may fall through us again into the world. With a breath in, I invite you to let your eyes close.
And to imagine these words are your own or words like them being spoken to a place deep in your own being that already knows. There is a friend within me who knows the truth and who guides me on my right path. This friend within me is my inner guide and keeps me on the pathway of peace and directs me always to that which is right and best, helpful and kind. I can never be without this inner presence. It is the great companion of my soul. Today, I say to it within me, O infinite presence, lover of my soul, in whom all live, I adore you. Eternal peace within me, undisturbed and quiet, I feel your calm. <laughs> 